1: With leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years' experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore. With more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Hello, folks.
2: This is Steve Moore. This is the... Greatest talk radio station in America, WABC, uh, and we are going to be talking about money and politics. And we're going to talk a little bit about how you can make money in these turbulent economic times. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. Thank you to the regular listeners, and if you're a new listener, we're on The More Money Show uh, every Saturday afternoon at 1 p.m. Eastern time to 2 p.m., Following, of course, Larry Kudlow's wonderful show, uh, talking about some of these same issues. So, thank you for joining. We have great ratings, and I'm just uh, very privileged to be able to talk to you all every Saturday afternoon. Uh, I am, for those of you who don't know me, I'm an economist. Uh, I've been working on these issues for 40 years. I came to Washington in 1984 and have had the privilege of working for our two greatest presidents of the last 50 years. I'm talking, of course, about Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump. And so we now find ourselves in a great struggle for our economy. And uh, I think that this budget fight and this debt fight that's going on is incredibly important and consequential for the future of our country. And I don't understand Joe Biden's position. Do you? If you do, please call uh, at the bottom of the hour and explain it to me because I don't understand how a president of the United States can say out of one breath of his mouth that he thinks we're going to have an economic meltdown if we don't raise the debt ceiling by June 1st. But then he says in the second breath, by the way, I'm not going to negotiate. I'm not going to negotiate. We have a Republican House of Representatives, folks. They have passed the debt ceiling bill. A good one. I worked a little bit with Steve Scalise and, uh, and Kevin McCarthy's team, and it is a good plan. Almost all of the provisions of the plan that uh, Kevin McCarthy has put forward make a lot of sense to most Americans. No, we shouldn't be paying hundreds of billions of dollars to for student loans that Deb Beats decided they didn't want to pay. I mean, why should I have to take money out of my paycheck to pay People who didn't pay back their student loans. It doesn't make any sense. So we'll save a couple hundred billion dollars by not doing that, Joe Biden. If you take out a loan, you have to repay it. You don't come knocking on my door. Sorry, I'm not paying you for your student loan when you went to Harvard or you went to Yale or you went to Vassar and now you don't want to repay it. Sorry. Uh-uh. I'm not coughing up for that. And nor should any of us do that. Uh, obviously, need rework, uh, we need work for welfare requirements. Yes, we're going to have a safety net, folks, but no. You're not going to sit home and get food stamps and Medicaid and government cash payments and watch Netflix all day. Sorry, that ain't happening anymore. We're not, that's not America. Uh, we're not going to let you go hungry, and we're not going to let you go homeless, and we're going to make sure that you don't suffer deprivation. This is a rich country, but you have to help yourself. You have to help yourself as the government gives you a hand up during tough times. And by the way, every, everyone has had tough times in their life. I've lost jobs in my life. And, uh, you know, the most important thing when you get knocked down is to get back on your feet, right? And we're not doing that. You've got people now for three and a half years who haven't been working, able-bodied Americans between the age of 25 and 60, and they're not working because the government's paying them not to. That's got to stop. Uh, I could go on. Biden uh, uh, is going to be forced under this bill to restore America's energy independence by drilling more oil and gas here at home. I think that's a no-brainer to me. Uh, I don't understand why we're letting all the oil production go to country, uh, you know, and, and gas and coal production go to China and go to Saudi Arabia and go to Iran and go to Venezuela. I mean, sorry, folks, I, that makes no sense to me. <laughs> That's not going to change the global weather patterns and, and save us from climate change when we stop using and producing oil and gas and coal here, but everybody else in the world is then getting their coal and oil and gas from other countries than ourselves. I think it makes sense to put a cap on government spending. Yes, absolutely. By the way, I'm hardcore on this. I'm with Rand Paul, one of my favorite senators. He's from the state of Kentucky. He's more of a libertarian than he has a Republican. And he says, and he's right about this in terms of the numbers, if we could just go back to the spending levels in 2019 when the economy was booming under Trump and before COVID hit these shores, COVID is over, go back to the 2019 level of spending, and guess what? We would balance the budget. We could balance the budget right now, tomorrow, if we simply said, we're going to go back to spending what we did in 2019. Is that so hard? So I don't see anything unreasonable in what the Republicans are saying. Uh, their budget actually allows spending to grow by 1%. Now, someone explain to me, if if you understand the Democratic position, and truly, I want to hear from you if you understand that position and can explain it to me and my listeners, um, how it is that only allowing government spending to grow by 1% per year over the next 10 years. Now, if my math is right, if you're increasing something by 1%, that's an increase in the budget. But Joe Biden just put out some documents uh, earlier this week saying – That's going to be a 22% cut in government spending. Huh? Huh? How is it allowing spending to go up 1% is a 22% cut in spending? And I'm going to explain this to you because this is the kind of twisted, uh, demented logic that we use in Washington. And we've been doing this for 35 or 40 years, and it's why the government keeps growing well beyond its means. So – Biden wanted a 23% increase in spending, and Republicans are saying, no, you can only have a 1% increase in spending. So Biden is saying, that's a 22% cut from what I would want to spend, not from what we are spending, from what we want to spend. Now, that, that is a perversion of the English language, right? A cut means you're spending less than you did the year before. It's like saying... You know, I give. let's say I give my kids $10 a week allowance, and they say, Dad, we want $20 a week allowance this year up from $10. And I say, no, but I'll give you $11. I'll give you a raise. I'll give you $11 this, uh, this, uh, w- every week um, this year. And they say, Dad, just cut our allowance by $9 a week. You see how how twisted that logic is? And that's what Biden is saying. So when he's like, we're going to cut benefits for the veterans. They're going to cut the Meals on Wheels program. We're not going to have money for rail safety. We're not going to have enough money to pay Social Security benefits. Nonsense. Nonsense. Don't fall for that. Please don't fall for that, ploy, folks. This is the trick Democrats have used. And By the way, I'm not blaming our budget problems on Democrats because both parties are responsible for our control budget. Now, Biden added $6 trillion, almost unilateral, with virtually no Republican votes. So he shares a lot of the blame. But frankly, I got to tell you stuff, uh, folks, I will admit this. I worked for Donald Trump uh, and helped advise him on policies. And I think he did a lot of great things for our country. I love what he did on Drill Baby Drill. I loved his policies on the border. I loved his policies on, uh, you know, um, um, uh, the uh The issue of you know work requirements for welfare, I liked the fact that he deregulated the economy so we could grow. I loved his tax cuts, but I did not like how much money Donald Trump spent, Mr. President. you spent too much money i 'm saying it, and he knows I say that because i when I go see him three or four times a year now, uh, I always say, you know we've got to stop the spending, Mr. president, uh but look, politicians love to spend money, so both parties are responsible for this. But when are we going to get some responsibility in terms of cutting back? Because I am here to tell you, and I've said this week after week, regular listeners of this show know I say this all the time, that we will have a financial chaos and we will have a financial crisis if we continue to do what we are doing right now. This is it every week. This is the Titanic, and the Titanic is headed to that iceberg, and we can see the iceberg. right? We can see that we're headed right towards it, and the key is turning around this battleship that we call the American economy and the American government, turning it away from the the, uh, iceberg before we crash into it and we submerge the ship of state that is America. And I can't tell you when it's going to happen. But if we, don't, if we abide by what Biden is saying and simply – but Biden is saying give me an unlimited credit card. Let me spend as much money as I want to. Let me spend and borrow because these folks believe in something called modern monetary theory. They truly believe that the government could continue to spend and borrow ad nauseum and that it's not going to cause – any problems because we're the world reserve currencies and everybody's going to buy our bonds. Well, what if they don't? Or what if the interest rates goes up on the bonds? Now, I'm running a little out of time, but you can tell I feel very passionately about this, folks. What I'm telling you is that if those bond interest rates start to rise or even stay on the course that the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office says they're headed towards, Because of the increase in the interest rates from the Fed combined with the increase in the amount of money we're borrowing, which is a double whammy to the economy, did you know this? In five years, five or six years, I forget exactly when, but soon, five, six, seven years, we will be spending more money paying interest on the debt than we will on our entire national defense. I, am, uh, I was giving some speeches this week. I've been on the road, and I was talking to a group, and people were asking me about you know, how much money should we, should we be spending on our national defense. It's a good question, and I'm not a national defense issue. I'm not a mil, uh, you know expert. I'm not a expert on our military. I want a strong military, of course. But what I say when people ask me, well, shouldn't we spend more money on the Pentagon? I, I always answer the same way. Maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't. I don't have the expertise to know, but I will tell you this: Our greatest national security crisis right now is our national debt. It is imperiling America's ability to defend ourselves to be taken seriously by our adversaries. Countries like China are laughing behind our back. So folks, we've got to get this budget under control. Republicans aren't saints. They are not safe here. Uh, I think there's even their plan spends too much money. But I'm with them on this one, I think. And I want to hear from you. Uh, I'm going to uh, save a little time at the end of this show to take your calls, as I always do. That number, by the way, for the More Money hotline is 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Um, I want to hear – I'm going to ask the screener, only take calls – from people who will defend the democratic liberal position. And I will be respectful of your of your uh, opinions. I truly want to hear uh, some of my liberal friends, and I know you're out there, I know you're listening to this show, please explain this, this strategy of Biden and why you think this is good for our country. Because, folks, I don't think it's good for our country. I think it is very dangerous. We are in a, uh, a come-to-Jesus moment right now, right now, about whether we're going to have this battleship hit the iceberg or whether we're going to all get together in a bipartisan way and turn it around so we do not sink the ship of state. I'm Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show, and this is WABC Talk Radio, the number one talk radio station in America. We'll be right
3: back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse?
1: This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Hey, it's
4: Ryan Payne and Bob Payne of Payne Capital Management. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E on the More Money Show today, talking the markets, the economy, your retirement. And, Bob, this is another wild week on the Street of Dreams. I feel like every week this year is a wild week on the Street of Dreams. We've had you know more volatility really since last October, um, and we've seen it in a long time. And despite everything, you know, markets continue to kind of sneak, I would say sneakily get, go higher this year. I mean, the s and is
5: up almost 8% this year. I know. It keeps creeping up. It doesn't feel like it, right? because, you know, the s and had truly one of the most volatile periods it's ever had. You know, we've had almost 25 drops of anywhere from 1% to 3% on a daily basis since October. I mean, that's extreme volatility. And, and of course, Nobody minds volatility when the market goes up. Like upside volatility is is my favorite. You know, it's only you only pay attention to it when the market's down. Yeah, well, I mean, and it makes you feel bad. And I
4: think that's what makes the uncertainty right now so hard. Right? Because let's face it: if you turn on the TV, all you hear is bad news. All we hear about is this imminent recession that's going to be upon us any moment now. Um, still waiting for it, by the way. Uh, but meanwhile, if you look at the stock market since October, it's up over 15%. That's a huge move. And I know a lot of investors right now, we know a lot of people that we talk to every week, are still sitting in cash, still paralysis by analysis, trying to figure out what, what to do. And maybe you're getting 4 or 5% in a money market fund right now, and that feels pretty good. But the reality of it is you're missing a pretty big move in the stock market, and the other big thing is it's interest rates at some point, we talk about this a lot, could start coming down
5: again. And when they do, when you're getting 4 or 5%, that could be 3% next year. Hey, Ryan, I know the last time we had a big spike in short-term interest rates, you know, I mean 5% sounds good, but we had 19% interest on our money market fund uh, back in the 80s. And that was extraordinary. But you could invest in Treasury bonds, you know, where they're yielding 14%. And nobody wanted to do it. It's like, why do I want to take a 5% haircut? Well, you ended up making stock market returns when interest rates came down, and you were locked in to think about being locked in to 14% for 30 years. Who wouldn't want that? So the same thing's happening now, right? The Treasury bond market is rallying. So prices are going up, and the yields are coming down. So, you know, it's like that siren, you know, that uh, sirens are on the coast, like, sucking you in. Um, You're going to crash on the rocks because the rates go down. They're going to stay down, and then what are you going to do? Yeah, we call that reinvestment risk, and that's a risk that I think a lot of investors aren't accounting
4: for right now. It's like, yeah, I get 5%, but that 5% is only for like a year. (laughs) The problem is when you're investing for retirement, you're probably investing for for 20 years, 30 years. So it's a little bit short-sighted right now because we're at a 10-year high in interest rates, which means maybe we want to lock into some of these great yields as opposed to waiting. Um, the other thing is, I mean, you and I have talked about this every week. You know, every economist, we, we joke about it a lot. You know, we should be in a recession right now if we listen to them last year. We're not in a recession right now. We actually had positive GDP growth for the first quarter. And every piece of economic data speaks to things look pretty good in the future. I mean, wages continue to stay strong. In fact, if you look at payroll employment right now, it's at 155 million jobs. That's the most we've ever seen in the U.S. So the job market... It's going to remain hot here. It's not falling off a cliff like a lot of people said it would.
5: Well, you know, a lot of people are employed, as you say. We have a low unemployment rate. Uh, When people are working, you know, they also do something else, right? They spend. You know, so big shock. The economy continues to grow. I mean, it's slowing, but we just had a positive gross domestic product, 1.1%. And so, you, you know, a lot of people are traveling. I mean, you take a look at what's happening to summer travel. You know, I don't care if you're just taking a car ride from New York to New Jersey. A lot of people are flying all over the world taking vacations that they haven't been able to do in years. So there's money out there. People are making money. And when they do, in our country, the consumer spends. Yeah,
4: and a lot of it, too, is, I mean, post-pandemic, um, you know, there's a big demand for going out to dinner, right, services, all the things we couldn't do when we were locked inside ideally ordering things off Amazon. You know, we've stopped doing that in droves like we were doing it. And meanwhile, oil prices have come down significantly. We forget, you know, last March, oil's at $130 a barrel. It's down to $70 a barrel. And that's great for the global economy. It's like a tax cut for everybody when oil starts to come down. So it's still high relative to where it was last couple of years. But if you look at it versus where it was just a year ago, you know, it's not that inflation isn't High still, But it's coming down, and that's what the market's looking at into the future, is looking at inflation's coming down, wages are staying hot, and earnings this season are coming in better than expected. So everything's beating expectations. That's the key.
5: You know, right, that's, I mean, it's, that's what's confusing my clients, right? They call me every day, and they say, hey, Bob, I'm watching these guys on television, these ladies on television. They're telling me that, uh, you know, the economy's going to slow down because the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates. Well, you know what drives me nuts? These are the same experts – that when interest rates were going down and the stock market was going up, they said don't invest in the market then. So they said when the market interest rates are going down, don't invest in stocks. When the markets, you know, interest rates are going up, don't invest in stocks. When do they ever tell people to invest? I mean, are, they, are these the anti-investment strategists? I think they are. They they don't want you to be wealthy. That's the problem.
4: Um, But no, but in all seriousness right now, I mean, you you know, you have to start thinking more long-term, not short-term, especially if you're preparing for retirement, you're thinking about what you need to be doing with your money. It's like you want to get your money working for you. And if you look ahead, the signs are telling you things aren't as bad as we all expected, right? We're not falling off a cliff like many of us expected. As you like to say, Bob, the world's not going to end very, the world doesn't end very often, um, so I think right now you have to start thinking about positioning your portfolio, your financial life for the future, not what's going to happen in the next couple of months. Because, as you like to say, markets don't settle down. They tend to settle up. And When they settle up, you've missed the boat, and that's critical
5: as a long-term investor. And that's why you've got to take the big-picture view, right? You've got to watch from 30,000 feet and not get down to the minutiae because, you know, let's face it, the Federal Reserve is doing a great job, right? We had inflation out of control, right? Maybe they're a little late to the party, but they started raising rates to do one thing, to bring inflation down. And, you know, what causes inflation? Well, raw materials going up through the roof. So, you know, take a look at what's happening, right? Oil was $130 a barrel. Now it's $70. Look at lumber. Lumber was $1,477. It's now $344. Right. Corn's coming down. Right. They use corn to feed all the animals. And that's, you know, food's going to get cheaper. Cotton's coming down. So all the commodities, all these raw material costs are dropping and it's going to be reflected in the numbers. And that's the reason why the bond markets rallying. Right. Forget about the Treasury market, you know, short term Treasuries. Look at the bond market. All the bond market across the across every maturity is going up because interest rates are coming down. The market's anticipating that. So the Fed's doing their job. And if the market went down last year in anticipation of the Fed raising rates, the market's going to go up in anticipation of the Fed lowering rates. You know, don't be late to the party. Yeah, and if you're thinking yourself right now, I think I am late to the party. I need to start making real decisions about
4: my money. Well, here's your shot to do it. During the show, we leave 10 slots open. If you have saved over a $1 million for your retirement, Bob and I will run for you our total financial master plan, and we'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review where we literally look at everything. We're going to go as far as building you your own personalized financial portal so you get a bird's-eye view of your entire financial picture. And we're just going to hone in on every financial issue you need to address today, whether it's an income plan for retirement. How do you take Social Security? How do you account for the fact that inflation is going to double over your lifetime? Well, we're going to put together a full dynamic income plan, show you how to draw from your portfolio so you don't run out of money. We're going to look at diversification Did you get hit hard in the last year or two if the market has been extremely volatile? Are you getting bad advice? Are you sitting in cash, paralysis by analysis, trying to figure out what to do? We're going to put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you high-cost products and those annuities, insurance products and structured products. Insurance products, we're going to show you how to reduce all the costs on your portfolio and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make. It's what you take. You're going to get our full tax playbook. We have
5: 10 slots left if you've saved over a $1 million for your retirement. Hey, don't miss out. We're sorry if you uh, called last week and couldn't get in, but here's your shot. Uh, We have 10 openings, and all you have to do is call 844-752-6692, or just simply text 844 or call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next ten callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will create for you your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no cost to this. There's no obligation. But you won't have a plan if you don't get in on the next ten slots. It's 844 844- Seven five two six six nine two. 752 6692 that's 844-752-6692, or just simply give us a call at 844-PLAN-NYC, 844-PLAN-NYC. So, Bob, you know, at our firm, Payne Capital Management, of course,
4: that's P-A-Y-N-A. We focus solely on financial planning, trying to get people to their retirement goals. And, you know, one of the, I guess, the bigger issues that we have to resolve for our clients, and all our listeners have to think about, too, is picking that retirement date, right? And there's a lot of variables. It can be, well, I love my job, so I don't know if I want to retire, but I want to be financially independent at some point. Or for some of us, it's like, I'd like to get out of my job like yesterday. So I thought we'd talk about some of the things you have to think about when you're actually picking
5: that date when you're going to start living off your money. Yeah, right. I mean, I run into it almost every day. There's there's so many uh, so-called financial advisors who really focus on managing portfolios. They forget about... Creating the big picture, looking at the plan. You need to have a financial plan that is a living document, something that you just don't do once, something that you're working on. So you don't just set a certain aid or a certain amount of money. It's all based on your lifestyle. It has to be unique to you, and that's what planning is, something that you need to do all the time. It has to be updated every year.
4: Yeah, because it's not like, oh, I just need $2 million and I'm set. Well, do you really know if you're set? <laughs> because you have to factor in whatever income you need today, that's going to double over the next 20 years just because cost of living goes up. Never mind health care costs, right? You could spend something like a quarter million dollars in health care costs. So do you get long term care insurance? Do you self insure from your portfolio? Like these are all the questions you need to ask yourself. And you need to do what we call putting your portfolio under the stress test. Under the worst case scenario, are you going to be okay? And I think most of us, we don't sit down and actually run those numbers of looking at what can go wrong. And that's all you and I think about, Bob.
5: Well, you know, it's really important, right? is our lifestyle, right? Everybody cares about their lifestyle. It's really important how we live our lives, right? Whether we live a healthy life or whatever, it's all about making your own decisions. But, you know, you have inflation, you know, for the underlying needs in life. But there's huge lifestyle inflation. And, you know, when you're looking at your retirement goals, even if you're retired, you got to continue to reevaluate re- that because the cost of lifestyle is going up pretty dramatically right now. And I find a lot of you aren't making those types of plans. You're not planning for living longer. You're not planning for living better. are not li- planning for having a great life. You're just planning to live. Well, where's the fun in that?
4: <laughs> well, but it's also a mistake that I hear all the time when we have people come into our office. They're always saying, well, I, I figure when I hit 80 – I'll probably spend less money. That's not true. <laughs> you know, we we have clients now, you know, a lot of them getting into their 80s and even 90s, and it's remarkable how people's spending doesn't go down. You know, whether it's you're going to take great vacations with your friends, you're going to spoil your grandkids. Um, the list goes on and on. But I always say, don't anticipate spending less in retirement. You probably won't. It sounds like you know you think you will, and then you know your money's going to last longer. I, wouldn't, I would not assume that. I would assume that you're going to spend the same amount that you're spending now in most cases.
5: Yeah, right. I just worked with a cardiologist, a really nice guy that I met, uh, you know, through my uh, social network. And and he was all ready to retire. And he said, um, you know, Bob, what do you do? And I told him about our planning process, ran the projections. He's going to work a couple more years. Now, he's not going to work as hard as he did, you know, all those years in the hospital doing operations every day. But he's going to do some consulting, some teaching, because he realized – His lifestyle demands that he have a little more sustainable income, which he didn't anticipate, and and his advisor never told him about all the years that he was working with him. Yeah, we see that all the time now because
4: we're living longer. Um, And, again, we are spending more money than we thought we were going to spend. And because of health care costs, it's amazing. If you just work a couple more years in some cases, that can be the difference between you being completely set in retirement And having a retirement shortfall. So it's really critical that you pick the right date because if you retire too early, well, that could be a problem for you later in life, not having the funds that you need. Or maybe you go an extra year, an extra two years. Like I did this for a client a couple weeks ago. We just said we realized, look, if you can just go another two years and you're not drawing from your portfolio, that has a huge positive impact on your lifestyle later, later down the line. And these are things you have to think about. So picking that right date, it's so important. You don't want to do it too early because if you do, uh, as Bob, you like to say, you never put yourself at being a risk at being a Walmart
5: greeter later in life. That's not a good, <laughs> that's not a good strategy. No, that's not a good strategy. I mean, it's uh, retirement is something, you, you know, you work 50 years, 60 years, you know, you want to be able to enjoy those retirement years. And, you know, and you've really got to fight hard on what I call recency bias, right? It's like, oh, well, I can't be in the stock market because it's volatile. I should have all my money in, in one month T-bills because I can get five and a half percent. Well, you know, that's all recency bias. You've got to look at the long term. You've got to look at the history of the markets. You know, markets, as you always say, they don't always repeat, but they often rhyme. And when it comes to your lifestyle, your family, your your spouse, you want to be certain that you've done everything you can to overcome inflation taxation and be able to sleep at night and not worry about what's happening in your portfolio or, you know, whether or not you're going to be able to stay retired.
4: Yeah, and that's all about that income plan, and that's what you have to hone in on. It's like, okay, what incomes do I have coming in? What can my portfolio generate? How do I do it the most tax-efficient? We say it all all the time on this show, but it's not what you make. It's what you take. So it's about having the most tax-efficient income coming in, and is that income going to go up over time because your lifestyle is going to go up because of inflation? So it's really having what we call that dynamic income plan, and that's the thing. If you buy, like, an annuity, for instance— and you get that income for life. Sounds so good, but it's the same amount of income coming in every year, but meanwhile inflation's going up. So these are things you have to solve for. You have to have a more dynamic type of plan than maybe your parents did back in the day because retirement's more complex today. Yeah,
5: you know, right. Investing is easy, but it's really hard. And it's, you know, it's something that we like to pay attention to when things are going well. But when things don't seem to be going well, we have the kind of volatility we have, we start to ignore it. That's when you need to pay the most amount of attention. So it's really critical that if you haven't done a wealth projection, if you don't know where you are or where you're going, you know, you're all taking vacations this year, right? We don't plan a vacation without looking at the end in mind. You know, when we start, right, we, we set the destination and then we put the details in. Well, let's make certain we're all going to get to that destination, that uh, you know, place in retirement we want to get to. You've got to make sure you dot those I's, cross those T's. Niles, better than any time in history. You know, take a good look at that.
4: Yeah, and here's a shot to do it. We're down to four slots left. If you give us a call or text right now, Bob and I will run for you our now famous total financial master plan, and we'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. We literally will look at everything. There's no other firm out there that will do this work up front. We're going to go ahead and build you your own personalized financial portal, give you a bird's-eye view of your entire financial picture, just hone in on every issue that we're talking about today. Do you have an income plan for retirement? How do you take Social Security? There's only one right way for you. How do you draw from your portfolio? How do you factor in inflation to build a dynamic income plan? Well, we're going to build one for you so you don't run out of money. We're going to look at diversification Markets have been uncertain, volatile. Is your portfolio the right portfolio right now? Or have you been sitting with way too much money and cash, can't figure out what to do, paralysis by analysis? We'll put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're just going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you those high-cost products like annuities, insurance products, mutual funds, brokerage products. Bob and I do a deep dive of every investment you own show you how to reduce that cost and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's now what you make. It's what you take. You're going to get our full tax game plan, our tax playbook, so you can save on taxes. We literally have four slots left if you've saved over a $1
5: million for your retirement. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or you can simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844 P-L-A-N-N-Y-C. If you're one of our next four callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of certified financial planners and financial advisors will create for you your own total financial master plan. There's no obligation. There's no cost. But you won't have a plan if you don't text or call right now. It's 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844 844- Plan NYC, that's 844-P-L-A-N-N-Y-C. Hey, if you want to learn more about our firm, Payne Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E.
4: Simply go to BeBullish.com. BeBullish.com, you can check out our podcast, Pain Points of Wealth, learn a little more about our firm. Stay tuned. we got more, more money coming your way. W A B C.
5: This is Bob Payne, Chief Investment Strategist, here at Payne Capital Management with this week's Market Update. This week on the Street of Dreams, stocks closed mostly lower for the second week in a row over concerns around the government debt ceiling. It was reported on Friday that a debt ceiling meeting between President Joe Biden and congressional leaders was postponed to next week. The S&P 500 fell two-tenths of one percent. The Dow was down 1.1 percent, while the Nasdaq eked out a gain of four-tenths of one percent. Meanwhile, inflation, as measured by the CPI and the PPI, continues to move in the right direction. CPI climbed by 4.9%, slightly lower than the 5% in March. It's the 10th consecutive month that the headline CPI rate has slowed, and it's at its lowest rate since April of 2021. PPI increased only 2.3%, following a 2.7% gain in March. This is the lowest rate since January of 2021. Now, clearly, inflation is moderating at the consumer and producer levels, leading many to believe that the Federal Reserve will finally take a pause from raising interest rates at the next meeting in mid-June. Nevertheless, bearish sentiment among Wall Street strategists continues to climb. Collectively, they are more negative on stocks than at any point since the great financial crisis in 2008-2009, which is quite surprising, considering the fact that earnings – And economic data continues to beat expectations. Nearly all companies in the S&P 500 have reported earnings, and 79% of those firms beat analyst expectations. So earnings have beat expectations. Inflation is falling. The economy is slowing but growing. Bond prices are rising. And the S&P 500 year-to-date is up 8%. And in the face of all this positive news, Wall Street strategists and many investors are bearish and negative. It may not sound like much, but reality beating grim expectations is the driving force of almost every bull market in history. Markets do what they always do and confound the majority opinion of the day. The market is counterintuitive. It will often do the opposite of what most investors expect. So the good news is today, with so many skeptics, so many perma bears, and negative Wall Street strategists, it looks like the groundwork is set for this market to continue to climb the proverbial Wall of Worry. My son, Ryan, and I, we have 70 years of combined industry experience in building low-cost, tax-efficient, goal based portfolios. For your free evaluation, all you need to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, this is Bob Payne. I'm the chief investment strategist here at Payne Capital Management, wishing all of you a happy Mother's Day.
1: This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore.
2: Hi, folks. Welcome back. This is the More Money Show. And by the way, uh, I want to add to what Ryan and uh, Bob Payne were just saying. Happy Mother's Day to all the wonderful uh, mothers uh, out there who are listening to this show. Thank you for raising our children and cooking our food and making America great. So uh, thank you for the great, great lessons that you teach uh, all of us. And uh, I lost my mom two years ago at the age of 93. So, Mom, just a shout out to you for what you did for all five of your children and your 11 grandchildren. All right, folks. Uh, so I want to – We I will be taking your calls at uh, in about uh, 10 minutes, um, and that's 1-800-848-9222. We are live, folks. We are live uh, on WBC. Most radio stations, by the way, on the weekend are all just recorded junk. This is a live show, and we love to hear from you, and we love to hear from our exceptional guests, including – Alfredo Ortiz, who is a good friend. I'm on the board of his uh, radio of his um, organization called Job Creators Network, which is the top small business advocacy group in America. Alfredo, thanks for joining today.
0: Steve, thank you so much. And it's so great that on your show, we can actually call them mothers and not
2: birthing units. (laughs) <laughs> yes. I not that. But you're exactly right, my friend. Uh, so um I've got a bunch of stuff I want to talk to you about, Alfredo. Uh, number 1, can you give our uh our listeners an update on the student loan um quote forgiveness program? Your group job creators network uh, brought suit before the Supreme Court. You were telling me that you actually sat uh sat in the Supreme Court. Um uh, uh, room uh, to listen to the arguments that were made about the uh, student loan case. Tell us, give us an update about what's going on with that, because I find it be, to be outrageous. I mean, why should I have to pay more taxes for people who aren't going to pay their student loans?
0: Yeah, absolutely, Steve. We were o- honored and, and honestly super excited that we did take that to court. Uh, sitting in the uh, Supreme Court, there listening to arguments. I feel like we have uh, we did a pretty good job laying out our side in our case. And what, um, what, is,
2: what is your argument?
0: You know, ba- basically what we argued is that they didn't follow the Administrative Procedures Act, uh, which is a requirement when uh, an agency is uh, drafting any regulation. And they claimed uh-huh. that they didn't have to because they were going to use the Heroes Act because of the uh, pandemic. Um, which, as you know, the Heroes Act came in after nine eleven for our first responders. And our heroes, not our college students.
2: <laughs> and so, so uh, just to make sure I understand and uh, our listeners understand the argument, ben, uh I don't recall Congress ever passing a bill allowing for student loan forgiveness. And, and as I look at the Constitution, I'm not a constitutional right. scholar, but – You know, I see that Congress has the authority to spend money, not the executive branch. So is that the argument you're making?
0: Yes. So so what they had to do is, um, I mean, for an agency to do that, um, well, first of all, they have to have public comment, and that's part of the Administrative Procedures Act, and they really didn't do it, and they waived that. Uh, But the second issue you're talking about is that truly – we didn't believe that, to um, your point, Congress. We knew didn't pass anything that said it, you right. can forgive up of four hundred to you know. Gosh, I saw some estimates up to a trillion dollars of student loan debt that the president just didn't have the authority to do that. And so, again, this is just yet another example of massive administrative overreach by this administration.
2: And so, how are you feeling about it? Uh, did you feel like the justices and their questions and comments were? Uh, sympathetic to your argument? I certainly hope so.
0: Yeah, I sure did. And uh, if you kind of read what uh, all the legal scholars and experts are saying out there, they're all kind of pointing to a, a positive win for us. Um, you know, the uh, sixth attorney generals also sued on a separate case. Um, you know, hopefully both of us actually are victorious on that. And uh, we might hear as early as the first week of June.
1: So, boy,
2: keep your fingers crossed, folks. And and this is why you know if you're a small businessman or woman, you've got to join Job Creators Network. How do people do that, by the way, Alfredo?
0: Yeah, really simple. Joinjcn.com, dot uh, com, Steve. Uh, joinjcn.com. dot com. And by the way, some people said, why why, why would a small business group su- sue on, you know, yeah. for this? And look, I mean, the simple answer is that we're also kind of now. Uh, kind of expanded our scope to really cover free enterprise and capitalism because free enterprise and capitalism is under attack. And without a free enterprise system and a capitalist uh, society, there is no small business.
2: (laughs) So um, I want to then pivot to this point that you just made about the. I want to ask you about the condition and sort of the heartbeat of America's small businesses right now, because as I see it, it seems to me that Joe Biden in all his regulations and his debt, his spending, his edicts um, is it's, it's a, it seems like it's a clear and present danger to the viability of our small businesses, whether it's the energy regulations or the labor regulations, whether it's the mass of spending. I saw that his budget is calling for, uh, you know, 70, 80 percent tax rates on investment in new small businesses. This, this seems to be a real mortal danger to our small businesses.
0: Steve, absolutely right. And from day one, we've said that this administration has declared a war on small business. And we actually believe the reason that is is because they embody everything that this administration actually detests, just hates, right? Free enterprise, capitalism, uh, mm-hmm. Meritocracy, if you work hard, you can have unlimited success. I mean, all this stuff that small business owners and even you know, this administration hates, They just believe that government is the answer for everything and that mm-hmm. uh, government control should be the answer for everything. I mean, look at the issue with the bank, Steve. Um, you know, uh, Janet Yellen pretty much created a moral hazard in a situation where pretty much. The, the, the flow of deposits from the smaller community banks to the, the, and, and, the, and the regional banks flowing to the larger you know, J P Morgan chases of the world, they pretty much caused that by saying our big banks are too big to fail, but our smaller community banks and regional banks aren't necessarily too big to fail. Um, and yeah. by doing that, frankly, they are setting up a system where they can have a, a, nas- a, a nationalized banking system with basically a handful of banks that they can control.
2: One thing that's cool about the Drum Creators Network uh, is that one of, one of your major founders was, of course, Bernie Marcus, and everyone knows Bernie Marcus because he's one of our great entrepreneurs in American history and was the co-founder, of course, of Home Depot, which all of us use almost every weekend. Right. And right. Bernie, tell us a little bit about you know how you and you and Bernie kind of got together to start this because my frustration—I've been in Washington for almost forty years and for, you know, 30 of those 40 years, I'd never felt like we had a strong small business advocate. You know, some of those business groups, they just try to, you know, uh, eat at the trough of, of Washington and they're not oftentimes advocates of small business. Even the Chamber of Commerce, which is one of the business business organizations, they often sign off on so they signed off on some of the big spending plans that Biden has proposed.
0: Yeah, that's right, Stephen. It's really disappointing. And that's one of the reasons why uh, Bernie started Job Creators Network uh, about twelve years ago. I came on about uh, uh, about ten years ago. So, yep,
2: yep, uh, yep. So,
0: must be doing something right, right? I mean, it's uh, he, he still like me, so that's a good sign. But we are fighting for every small business that's out there. Uh, and you have thirty-three million small business owners wow. out in this country um and uh they employ about 60 million people and so they've never really had like you said uh a, a, a true fighters in the in, in the actual uh in the mix and uh you know we're proud to say that we are fighters uh for example with the vaccine mandate uh when when biden was uh you know trying to get that passed you know we sued on that as well and went all the supreme court and won and um, that was a great example where Biden was trying to pass off and gaslight the American public, saying it was a, a mandate for our, our, our largest employers in our country. But in fact, in reality, they were dropping down to 100 employees. I'm sorry, Steve, but that's not our largest employers in the country. That's Coca-Cola. That's Delta. But they were trying to pass this off as it was only going to impact our largest business. Well, it was going to impact actually our small businesses, and so that's why we took that on. And so. We're, we're, we're fighting for all small businesses, and I want to make this point. We're not just fighting for Republican small businesses. We're fighting whether you're a Democrat or Republican, an independent, black, yellow, white, green, blue. We really don't care. If you're a part of the community of 33 million small business owners, we're fighting for you.
2: So one last question before I let you go, and thank you, Alfredo, for taking some time out of your Saturday afternoon to join us. Um, how would you describe the – because you're talking to small businessmen and women all the time. And, and many of them are minorities, isn't that true?
0: Absolutely. In fact, yeah. it's the, entrepreneurship, Steve, is the number one way. And I wrote a book on this. Um, uh-huh. You know that 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 really says that entrepreneurship is the key way for uh, uh, for minorities to break out of the racial yeah. and economic divide.
2: So my question then for you. Uh, in the two minutes left that we have left is how would you describe the mood of the small businessmen and women that you talk to every day? Because you look at what's happening, crime in the cities, where people are stealing stuff from stores, employees aren't safe. You see what's happening with the inflation, the, the supply chain problems that continue, the massive national debt, the regulatory burden. How, how are they surviving?
0: Yeah, they're, well, well they're, they're barely surviving. Uh, they're not thriving. Um, and you know, unlike uh, like they were under the Trump administration, because right. there was an environment there that actually appreciated small business with lower taxes and less regulation. Um, uh, their they uh, optimism is probably one of the lowest points we've seen in a handful in a couple of years. Yep. Um, inflation, obviously, our number one concern. And in fact, you know, now with what's happening in the banking system, six, almost sixty percent of small business owners that we polled in our Small Business IQ poll, which is a monthly. Uh, one of the one of the you know one of the best mm-hmm. if not only yep. scientific poll among small businesses out there uh almost sixty percent of small business owners are saying they're worried about access to credit now because so about what because, you know access to credit right liquidity right. because
2: right. Yes, credit yep. 60%, yeah
0: percent yeah sixty percent of uh, small business loans are in the hands of these community and regional banks, and as these things start uh you know basically uh fa- facing more and more regulation. More and more are going down the same way that happened in a Dodd-Frank where 2,000 community banks closed down. And guess what? Most of those banks, if not all of them basically, were in uh, minority communities.
2: So one, one final question, if I may, and, and I, I know it kept you longer than I wanted that, that you agreed to. But, um, you know, I've been watching what's happening in our city, San Francisco, Chicago, my hometown, New York. And the mayors and the city leaders are basically saying, you know, they're not even prosecuting. Uh, criminals from coming in and stealing things, uh, you know, and so the, the stores are shutting down, the grocery stores, the, you know, market stores. The, how can you run a business if people are stealing and the government isn't even enforcing the laws?
0: I mean, Steve, they can't. And I think the poster child of all things gone wrong uh, uh, with, you know, blue cities and blue states. All I went I, yeah. I to Union Square in San Francisco uh, I think every single major uh, uh, store has left now Union Square, Whole Foods, yep. Nordstrom, Target. Yep. I mean, it's basically They're a ghost town down there. It's ghost town because the yeah. crime is ridiculous, right? And nobody's prosecuting, to your point.
2: Alfredo, uh, have a great weekend. Thanks so much for joining us. That was Alfredo Ortiz, who is the president and CEO of Job Creators Network. Okay, folks, I as promised, I've left about eight minutes for – a few calls. I want to hear from people what you think about the um, debt ceiling fight. Do you think that uh, the Democratic position by Joe Biden is the correct one? And I'd love to hear from Democrats. By the way, that number, again, is 1-800-848-9222, one 848 9222 Do you think that uh, Kevin McCarthy is right here? Or I'd love to hear from people who think that uh, that the position by uh, our president is the right one. And, Mr. Producer, who is our first caller?
0: Our first caller is Frank from Staten Island.
2: Frank, thanks for calling. What do you think? Who's, who do you think is on the side of the angels on this one?
1: Um, I, I wish I wish uh, the Republicans would be uh, on the, the right side. On this, what do you um, think? Uh, I, I called
0: I call that another thing. Like, I'm Democrat, but I'm not left-wing. I had this idea about something, don't you think that the Biden is in a position to make a deal? He could say to
2: the Republicans, like, listen, yep. we'll keep the Title 42, but you yep. got to give us the, the, the yep. debt ceiling. You know, that's a deal. It's a, a horse yeah. trading. So, so let me ask you I, – I, I appreciate your call. So you, do you think we should just raise the debt ceiling without any reforms in the way we're spending money? No, they, they're – they they they're always going to ask what are you going to cut? And you have to really yeah. go through that. I'm not sure I'm not even sure of what to cut. How much can yeah. you cut like half a bit half a billion? Well, half a billion wouldn't get us very far when we're running a, a debt of 2 trillion. What uh well, let me ask you, if you were the president and uh you were, you know, you saw what's happening with our debt explosion, where do you think we could cut? Where, do, where would you like to see some cuts? So we're gonna to have to cut something. We can't run a two trillion dollar deficit every year.
0: The um, the, um, the
2: the 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 free tuition—you have to get rid of that. Yeah, I like that one. All right, great call, sir. Appreciate a Democrat calling in because we are Freedom of Speech Radio, and I love to hear. People who disagree with me, I'm surprised my wife hasn't called in. She disagrees with me all the time. But she's a wonderful mother, by the way. I want to shout out to my wife, who is the mother of three, uh, her own two sons and my three uh, sons. So she has five uh, boys who I don't know how she manages. uh, And you do a fantastic job. Okay, Mr. Producer, who is our next caller?
5: Let's go to Benjamin all the way from Australia.
2: Oh, my God! Benjamin from Australia! (laughs) Thank you for calling.
1: Yeah. Hi, Mr. Moore. Happy Mother's Day. Um, Yeah, so I think the debt ceiling um, will give the Republicans some leverage, but I don't think it's an important issue because um, a lot of the money that the $31 trillion is just money owned by American companies anyway. A lot of it's not owned by China or Japan. So I don't think that's an important issue. What I think is important is, like, you and Larry Kudlow and Donald Trump might go into power again, like, you know, in 18 months' time, very likely, in my opinion. And I'd like to understand how you can soak up those $5 trillion that Janet Yellen and Crazy Nancy printed out from thin air that made the price of gas go so high. Because now yep. the price of gas and the price of wood and certain things in the supply chain is just ridiculous. So how can you fix that?
2: Yeah, great call. Uh, great points. And by the way, I have in my wallet, folks. I've, you know, I'm not making this up. I have a – I'm going to pull it out right now. I have a $10 trillion – oh, sorry, $10 billion Zimbabwe bill. Ten billion. dollars. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, nine, something like, eight, I can't even count them all. <laughs> nine zeros on this. So you probably think I'm really rich, right? Because I've got 10 billion Zimbabwe dollars. You know what this thing is worth? It's a, worth about 50 cents. <laughs> so it doesn't matter how many dollar, how many zeros you put on your currency. We're going to bankrupt this country if we continue to borrow and spend. Mr. Producer, do we have time for one or two more calls?
5: Yes, we do. Let's go to Pat in Staten Island. Pat, thanks for calling.
3: Hi, Mr. Moore. Thank you for taking my call. I appreciate your uh, being on television and now to speaking to me over the radio. Um, Thank you. By the way, Pat, I, are you a mother? I am a mother, yes. Perhaps.
2: I'm a Happy mother mothers, of two, two fine
3: boys. Two fine boys. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, electrical engineer and a biologist who research. Oh, does my
2: God. Research. You have smart yes. kids. They uh, they were brought up the right way.
3: Yes. Yes. Thank God. Yes. <laughs> um, but, Mr. Moore, I, w- I would really like you to consider what if. Yes. What if we were always looking at the wrong side, meaning Oh, yeah. how could Biden be doing this? So doesn't he realize yeah. whatever? Biden realizes all of this, Mr. Moore, having been brought up in the 1960s yep. when they were trying to overwhelm the system. This right. is what has been going on. Now, finally put in place after Obama is Biden, who's carrying on by uh, Obama's policies. He wants to overwhelm the system and collapse Why? America. Why, Pat? They not they do not love it, and I would love suggest our yep. I would suggest having Monica Crowley on, who Monica somebody, Monica Crowley, yeah, she's great. Yep, I love her. She 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 knows exactly what's going on because anytime right. I hear her, she relates all of this yeah. to it's what's going on, and they're laughing at us behind our yep. backs.
2: All right, Pat, and great call. It. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, uh, appreciate your calling. I want to squeeze in one last caller. If I can, Uh, we're running out of time. But, Mr. Producer, let's squeeze one more in.
5: Let's go to Maurice in New York.
2: Maurice, we've got 75 seconds. So what do you got for us?
0: Uh, Steve, this is Maurice. I got to tell you that I am – I think you're a great American.
2: I'm disgusted with what's going on. I think the corruption in Washington is
0: killing us
3: all.
2: It is not hard to fix this country. You cannot – What do we do? Maurice, Maurice, what do we do? You say it's easy to fix the country. What would you do? Number uh, number one, we got we have to make ourselves energy independent so we're yes. not reliant on foreign oil. Yes. Number two, yes. we have to have a better immigration policy. We got to close the borders and we have a, a legal immigration. Num- yep. Number number three, we got to have yep. we have to have term limits. We have to have yes. term limits. The 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 way these uh, politicians, yes. Schumer and Pelosi and Bernie Sanders, all Maurice, get rich coming in. At- I yeah. love it. You're you're smart. And we've we only got 20 seconds left, so I'm going to just add to your uh, list of great suggestions. Let's have a balanced budget amendment, folks. And let's have a uh, flat tax. And to all the ladies out there and all the mothers out there and the grandmothers out there, have a great, wonderful day. Tomorrow, this is The More Money Show on WABC Talk Radio.